You're listening to SBS News. It was a big year of travel for Australia's globetrotting Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, who visited 15 different countries in 2023. The year began with a two-day visit to Papua New Guinea, the first for an Australian Prime Minister since 2018. Top of the agenda was security, with an agreement on a proposed bilateral security treaty that would expand military and defence cooperation, later signed in December. Australia also lent its support to a five-year program that is seeking to increase the representation of women in PNG's parliament, while the PM also expressed his enthusiasm for a PNG-based National Rugby League team. The Prime Minister also became the first foreign leader ever to address the PNG Parliament, speaking to the two countries' shared values. We are friends. We are mates. We are partners. We are equals. We are neighbours who stand with each other and help each other in times of need. The next trip was to India in March on the invitation of Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi. The trip sought to improve the two nations' trade ties, with two-way trade worth over $46 billion in 2022. Further progress was made to finalise the Comprehensive Economic Cooperation Agreement, a much larger and more ambitious trade agreement that seeks to expand on current arrangements. Mr Albanese also highlighted the deepening security ties, announcing that India would join the Talisman Sabre war game exercises for the first time. For Australia, India is a top-tier security partner. I predict that 2023 will be busier than ever for our defence cooperation. From there, the PM jetted off to the United States, where a historic announcement would be made on how Australia will acquire nuclear submarines as part of the AUKUS deal between the US and the UK. The deal, costing up to $386 billion, will see Australia obtain eight nuclear submarines to be built in Adelaide by 2055. Britain's Prime Minister Rishi Sunak says the deal will help keep oceans free. Well, we're very excited about it. It's about our commitment to the Pacific region, which even though it's geographically a long way from where we are, it's important in a way to demonstrate our commitment to the values that we both hold there as countries. In the meantime, Australia will also purchase three Virginia-class submarines from the US in the early 2030s, with the option to buy another two later on. Mr Albanese says it marks a new chapter in the nation's alliance with the US and the UK. The AUKUS agreement we confirm here in San Diego represents the biggest single investment in Australia's defence capability in all of our history, strengthening Australia's national security and stability in our region. On the way home, Mr Albanese had a brief stopover in Fiji, where he held bilateral meetings with Fiji's Prime Minister, who also backed the AUKUS deal. But with criticism at home by former Prime Minister Paul Keating over the deal, Defence Minister Richard Miles was quick to reassure him that the safety of the Pacific is the main focus of AUKUS. What we are doing uh, is understanding that Australia's national security lies in the collective security of our region uh, and it lies in the maintenance of the global rules-based order. In May, the PM led Australia's official delegation to the UK for the King's coronation, where he was forced to defend his decision to pledge allegiance to the King, despite being a staunch Republican. He remained busy on the sidelines, using his spare time to promote Australia's new free trade agreement with the UK. And what the FTA is about between Australia and the United Kingdom 
is getting greater access to this market for Australian products. Greater access for our beef, for our sheep products, for our wine. Next on Mr Albanese's agenda was the G7 summit at the invitation of Japan. The focus of global leaders was on condemning Russia's war on Ukraine and pledging support to the Ukrainian president, who made a surprise visit to the summit in Hiroshima. Leaders also called out China's activities in the Indo-Pacific region, using the statement to oppose any attempts to change the status quo by force or coercion. Mr Albanese says the statement reflected Australia's concerns. What we need to do is to make sure uh, that we work in a way that enhances peace, security and stability in the region. Leaders of the Quad, Australia, India, Japan and the US, met for a very brief 47 minutes on the sidelines after their Australian meeting was cancelled due to the postponement of President Biden's trip to Australia. Mr Biden was confident about the continued prosperity of the alliance. I think people are going to look back at this, uh, the Quad and, uh, God willing, uh, 10, 20, 30 years from now and say it changed the dynamic not only of the region but the world. The meeting still resulted in a joint statement which gave an unwavering commitment to ensuring a free and open Indo-Pacific and recognised the urgent need to address climate change challenges in the region. In early June, the PM travelled to meet with his Singaporean counterpart for bilateral talks before a stopover in Vietnam to mark 50 years of relations between the two nations. The next big trip was to Germany in July, where Mr Albanese met with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz ahead of the NATO summit in Lithuania. There, the PM confirmed Germany will purchase 100 Australian-made armoured vehicles in one of the largest defence export deals in Australia's history, worth more than $1 billion. Australia also agreed to join Germany's Climate Club initiative to boost collaboration between countries to reach net zero emissions by 2050. Mr Albanese says Australia and Germany have a mutually beneficial relationship. Australia comes to Germany as a partner. We are partners in the clean energy transition, in free trade and in trusted commerce. A partner in support of the rules-based order and democracy. A partner in solidarity with Ukraine. Australia and Germany are close friends and our relationship is growing stronger. Mr Albanese then took part in Australia's second ever NATO summit, where he used a speech to urge members to act with caution in relation to China. He also met with Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky on the sidelines, where it was agreed Australia would send another 30 Bushmaster vehicles as part of its increasing support. Mr Albanese's agenda took a more region-focused turn in September, where he travelled to Indonesia, the Philippines and India. In Indonesia, he attended the annual ASEAN-Australia Summit and the East Asia Summit, emphasising Australia's closeness with ASEAN members. He then undertook the first bilateral trip made by an Australian PM to the Philippines since 2003, where his meetings focused on defence cooperation, maritime security and development and education. Philippines President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. says the two nations share a close relationship. It is heartening to find that our visions for the future are quite closely aligned and our goals for regional stability and prosperity resonate strongly. Both the Prime Minister and I acknowledge that our shared values, the democratic principles and mutual respect for international law, have been instrumental in fostering a strong partnership. 
From there was another trip to India for the G20 Leaders Summit in New Delhi, where a watered-down leaders' declaration was produced in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The PM also held talks on the sidelines of the summit with European leaders, including French President Emmanuel Macron, as Australia continues to work towards a free trade agreement with the EU. Ursula van der Leyen was, uh, was quite positive, uh, but we will wait and see uh, the issues. Our, our officials have continued to have discussions, but I would like to see the Australia-EU free trade agreement uh, settled as soon as possible. In October, Mr Albanese jetted back to the United States, becoming the third Prime Minister in two decades to attend a lavish state dinner at the White House. The PM also spoke with President Biden about tensions in the Middle East, the AUKUS deal and China. The relationship between Australia and the United States is so important. In today's turbulent world, it is a relationship that provides security, stability based upon our common values and and our position as great democratic nations, working together to promote those values throughout the Indo-Pacific and throughout the world. Just under two weeks later, Mr Albanese headed to China on a landmark trip, becoming the first Australian Prime Minister to visit Beijing in seven years. The federal opposition's foreign affairs spokesman, Simon Birmingham, was firm in his words before the PM set off, calling for the release of detained Australian writer Dr Yang Hangjun. Australians won't believe that the Australia-China relationship has been properly stabilised whilst an Australian citizen continues to suffer indefinite and arbitrary detention in Chinese jails. The three-day trip saw the PM meet with China's Premier Li Qiang and, importantly, China's President Xi Jinping and was viewed as a huge step forward in stabilising the strained relationship between the two countries. In his opening remarks, President Xi praised the Prime Minister for working to stabilise and improve relations. With joint efforts of both sides, we've been resuming our exchanges in various views and worked out some problems. Now, the China-Australia relationship has embarked on the right path of improvement and development. I'm heartened to see that. There was an agreement to resume annual leaders' talks and further progress in relieving trade disputes, but Mr Albanese remained firm on China's human rights record and raised the plight of Dr Young. Mr Albanese says he's committed to navigating differences wisely and with great respect. The engagement that I've had uh, with... uh, with China, with President Xi, have been positive. Uh, They have been constructive. Uh, He has never said anything to me that has not been uh, done. And and that's a a positive way that you have to start off dealing with people. But we recognise as well that we come with different political systems, uh, very different uh, values. It was then time for Mr Albanese to head for the Cook Islands for the Pacific Islands Forum, assuring Australia's neighbours that it is the partner of choice. The issue of climate change was also a key focus. The PM held bilateral talks with his counterparts from Kiribati, Cook Islands and Tuvalu on the front line of the climate crisis and urging Australia to rapidly phase out fossil fuels. Mr Albanese says he recognises the important role Australia plays. My government, of course, was elected with a platform of taking action on climate change and I look forward to working with you 
uh, in the interests of both of our respective countries, but also <laughs> in the interests of the globe. To round out his busy year of travel, the PM headed back to the United States to attend the APEC summit in late November. Mr Albanese shook hands with China's President Xi and sat alongside President Biden as leaders discussed issues including climate change, trade and artificial intelligence. The PM labelled the summit as successful. We uh, spoke about uh, inclusive growth, the need to make sure that everyone benefits uh, from growth, not just some. But his globe-trotting agenda hasn't been without public scrutiny, with labels such as Airbus Albo pointed in his direction by the federal opposition. Opposition leader Peter Dutton had been calling for the PM to cancel his travel plans amid the domestic cost-of-living crisis and the release of around 150 people from immigration detention in November. The PM has defended his travel arrangements as being in the national interest. It is just a fact that part of the job of being Australian Prime Minister is to represent Australia. What happens here has a direct impact on Australian jobs and the Australian economy. Samantha Beniak-Brooks, SBS News.